Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went and at once put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You would have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant! So you knew that I had harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has been given more, they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even when they have, will be taken from them. And throw this worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. In the clip we just saw from Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones is standing on a ledge trying to get through this obstacle course with guidance only from the writings from his father who is in agony, suffering from a gunshot wound. Indiana Jones is trying to get to the Holy Grail, the cup supposedly that Jesus drank out of at the Last Supper in order to get its healing power and go to get back and to heal his father. He's at this ledge. He knows he must hurry. And he sees this great chasm and knows that it will take a leap of faith to make it over the edge to get to the other side. But before he, before he experiences this courage and takes this leap of faith, he's feeling possibly what we would all be feeling at this point if we were standing on that ledge that this is impossible he even says it nobody can jump this the reality of that moment before his epiphany is that he sees this great chasm and his first instinct and emotion is fear Jim Somerville who is the pastor of First Baptist Church Richmond Virginia said in a benediction to one of the worship services there once that the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith 
is fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. And in this sermon to our graduates and to all of us really, the one point I would want to get across to you this morning is that there will be times in your life when you will have fear, where you will experience fear. And like Indiana Jones, you will pause and think about what is ahead of you, that what you have ahead of you is impossible. But sometimes you just have to take that leap of faith. Now that's easier said than done, I realize. I know. Fear is real. Even post-graduation fear is real. During my senior year at Gardner-Webb University, one of my side hustles was that I was a resident technician for the IT department. Basically, I was one of ten students who lived on campus that other students could call and have them come by and fix whatever computer issues that came up after the IT office closed or on weekends. And trust me, running into some of the things that I saw in students dealing with computers could be mind-boggling. But I did this along with being an RA. I received a stipend for being in the pet band. I officiated volleyball and soccer, and I preached occasionally because this college student has to make money somehow, right? And I really didn't feel like working a traditional job at that time. A few days before I graduated, the IT department offered me a job, which paid decently along with paying tuition for me to continue my studies in the Divinity School. It was a good offer, and I was ready to jump on it. After several days of thinking about it, though, for some reason, something didn't seem quite right. Something didn't feel right. And I remember I was sitting in a restaurant in Bowling Springs with my dad one night. We were having dinner and talking about it. And I just wasn't feeling any better about it. And so I made the decision after that conversation with my dad not to take the job. It was a difficult decision. And looking back on it 19 years later, while I don't regret the decision, and I'm happy with the way my life has turned out so far since then, I wonder if I made that decision because of fear. Fear of what was next after graduation. Because fear is real. Just ask the poet Emily Dickinson, who lived a lot of her life in isolation and was believed to suffer from severe anxiety. This sulky poet of sorrow's work might not be the best reading to put a pep in your step, nor is her hurt work highly recommended for graduation celebrations. Dickinson may seem like a downer because her poetry is not an ode to joy, but it is an ode to truth. And sometimes the truth is captured in her words like this. I lived on dread. And she wasn't even talking about that all-nighter or perhaps that teacher whose grading system didn't make any sense to you Or perhaps that friend whose eating habits irritated the mess out of you. Dickinson understood her mortality in such a way that she penned other lines such as, Because I could not stop for death, he kindly stopped for me. And in one of the most haunting lines, I felt a funeral in my brain. That could describe how your brain feels after four years of high school and college. Brain dead. 
But it might also be said that she, that because she, she said this because she realized fear's impact on life. And Dickinson fits right in with the Gospel of Matthew here. There's so much fear and anxiety in this subtext of our passage that as we hear the larger gospel narrative about the coming of the Son of Man, of judgment, of famine and earthquakes and false prophets, and the plot to kill the one who claimed to be God, there seem to be a lot of good reasons for fear in this ancient setting. That's why I feel sorry for this one servant, the one with the least, the one who has one bag of one coin or one bag of coins or one talent, depending on which translation you read. So much is made of the other two servants who multiply what they've been given. They double their earnings. Five coins or bags of coins turning into ten. Two turning into four. They got the prize job or the full ride scholarship. They're economically prosperous. And according to ancient Near Eastern news, What they did, they brought their master happiness and caused him to do the floss. If you don't know what that is, ask a kid or a teenager. They'll be glad to demonstrate that to you. These two servants are like the goody two-shoes in chemistry class. Always getting the right answer. Helping the teacher. Never getting into trouble. Always getting good grades. Always getting the attention. Always getting the praise party and the accolades. Seemingly without a trouble in the world. But I'm drawn to this one servant with the least, the underdog. I feel bad for him. No profit, no party, no pat on the back from his master. I'm rooting for him because I'm rooting for us. And I say that because we may see in our own reflection, we may see our own reflection in his story which is a story of fear. Master, I know that you're a hard man. You've harvested grain when you haven't sown. You gather crops where you haven't spread seed. So I was afraid, and I hid my bag of coins in the ground. I was afraid, and I hid. I wish there was a medical shot for fear, just like the flu shot, to strengthen our immune system and to keep fear at bay. But it doesn't work like that. Fear can kidnap you and hold you hostage, and nothing may be able to seem to be able to pay that ransom to set you free. I understand. Fear can be intimidating. And then there's phobia mania. So many phobias that I'm afraid I can't name them all. The fear of death, illness, pain and despair. The fear of being unloved or rejected, unknown or embarrassed. The fear of poverty or hunger or aging. The fear of loss or failure. The fear of heights and elevators. Fear of the dark. Fear of spiders or crowds. Or even that particular fear one writer names, the fear of eating an anchovy. I was afraid... And I hid your gold into the ground. This story is really not about making money. It's about what we do with what we've been given by God and how we are the stewards of our own lives. There's no celebration for the last servant with the least. It's a lament. And it should cause us to lament for him 
and for every buried gift in the ground. I hid your gold in the ground. There's no growth, no development, no flourishing, no joy because of fear. He was formed or really malformed by fear. Going nowhere with the gifts in his life. This is just not about our coins, our value, our talents, and our gifts that we hide. This is about the way we hide ourselves because of fear. I was afraid and I hid. We may shrink back from the opportunities given to us because of fear. Fear can paralyze us, making us inactive and stagnant, keeping life at a standstill, no matter what we've been graced and with and how well we did. And fear can prevent us from making tough decisions and cause us to avoid certain people, places, or things. With fear, no one will take risk, and without risk, there will be no growth. I was afraid, and I hid my valuable coin in the ground. I did nothing but fear. The servant buried his potential, his God-given gifts. He hid because of fear. It doesn't take much for us to realize that we live in a culture of fear. Just say Zika virus, Ebola, Boko Haram, ISIS, gun violence, governmental surveillance, immigrants, refugees, and the shockwaves will be felt. Sometimes the media will make you fear things for no reason whatsoever. And some politicians run on campaigns built on fear. We might as well stay indoors and barricade ourselves in our bedrooms as portrayed in the lyrics to the song YOLO, You Only Live Once by the Lonely Island. Let me explain. Bury all your money in the backyard like a beagle because you should never trust the bank. They've been known to fail. and Never travel by car or bus, boat or by rail. Don't travel by plane. Don't travel at all. Build a bomb shelter basement with titanium walls and wear titanium suits in case pianos fall on you. And never go to saunas because they're crawling with piranhas. And never take the stairs because they're often unsafe. You only live once. Don't let it go to waste. <laughs> but that's exactly what fear wants. To be alone with us. To cuddle up to us and to have it all to itself. And when we allow to have fear to, to have a field day in our lives... It's actually the end of our lives because we let it bury us. And if you don't bury it, it will bury you and your gifts and everything you have to offer to the world. The servant didn't just bury his coin. Fear buried him. I was afraid and I hid. There was no professional mourners on sight. But this is surely a death because fear will not only inhibit your flourishing, it will kill you. Take the worthless servant out and throw him outside into the darkness. People will be there weeping and gnashing their teeth. This isn't what you want for your life, but as Dickinson says, while I was fearing it came, but it came with less of the fear because that fearing it so long had almost made it dear. Fear was so familiar that it became dear. We can become so used to fear that it becomes dear to us. It's part of our spiritual DNA in which we nurture it like an intimate relationship. It loves us and we love it. Yet its love controls and eventually cannibalizes us 
and cannibalizes our lives. And all that is left at that point is not our life, but fear, standing victorious and boasting about the future, when in fact there is no future with fear. In the book, What Jamie Saw by Carolyn Coman, the characters are so sick with fear inside that they don't know what living life feels without it. And that's the trick of fear. That you forget that it is fear, that it just becomes some normal part of life, that it just feels like that's your life. Fear can consume you, literally. In 1819, the ship Essex, which is the basis for Herman Melville's Moby Dick, set sail from Nantucket Island on a routine voyage for Wales. It would eventually be anything but routine. There were 20 American sailors on that ship, and in 1820, the ship was 3,000 miles off the coast of Chile in South America when it was struck by a well that made a hole, hole in the hull of the ship. The ship began to flood with seawater, so the men got into three small whaleboats as their ship sunk. They were about 1,200 miles from the closest island to the west. Some of the sailors wanted to go there, but others didn't. They didn't because they feared the cannibals that lived on those islands, which was a prevalent rumor of the day. So they decided not to go to the closest island and instead head in another direction, which was further away, even with limited supplies of food and water. Fear led them in another direction. And eventually, due to lack of food and water, some of the sailors died. And what happened? Ironically, the sailors ended up doing the same thing they feared, eating one another. Fear will consume you, and if you feast on it, you will die even while you live. This just isn't a funeral in your brain. Your whole life will become a funeral procession because you'll be a dead man or woman walking, which is one of the greatest tragedies of our mortal life. I was afraid and I hid. It's a story of our own burial. Sometimes we pay our own funeral fees as we fear our own success and flourishing. We fear ourselves and our potential, our own thriving, so we bury it along with our dreams because we think that one coin, that one gift, that one insight won't amount to anything. But graduates and to all of us, there is only one of you. So don't hide. Don't bury yourself in fear. And I don't want to be an Emily Dickinson-like preacher today. Because fear isn't just destructive. It can be constructive. It can prevent you from touching a fire with a bare hand. It can prevent you from opening the airplane door at 30,000 feet in the air. It can prevent you from walking in the middle of a busy highway. Fear may be a hardwired biological version of common sense. Fear in the business world can be viewed as productive paranoia. It can be constructive and this is a good thing. However, when fear destroys a life's purpose and potential, it's a tragedy. So graduates, as you graduate, face your fear and bury it. The servant buried the wrong thing. He should have buried fear. 
If we succumb to our fears, we won't do the things God wants us to do, and we won't go where God wants us to go. On the eve of his assassination, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. proclaimed, I'm not fearing any man, which is one of the reasons and the attitude he had and why he could get to that mountaintop. I said earlier that fear is the opposite of faith. So that means that the opposite of fear is faith. Faith is the opposite of fear. And the next to last episode of the series, The West Wing, Press Secretary turned Chief of Staff C.J. Craig is contemplating taking a job in the new administration. She's conflicted due to being burned out from her current job, which she has done well and she knows she will do well and believes she will do well working in a new administration. She's been given a lucrative job offer in the private sector that she thinks will be fun. And then she has this on-again, off-again relationship with a reporter who she really wants to be with, but knows that any job will make it difficult for the relationship to work. The reporter, Danny, keeps pushing her to decide, what do you want to do? What she wants to do as a career. And then they'll figure out life together. But because of her fear, she just remains indecisive, and she is pushing him away in the process until he finally stops her and implores her to open up, to talk, to grab his hand, to have faith in him, to make a decision, and together they'll jump. No matter where you're graduating high school or college or whatever circumstance life is thrown your way, there'll be a, there'll, there will come a point in time where you have to choose between fear and faith. All of us have people around us who love us and support us who are there with us no matter what. Graduates, I would say this community of faith has been that for you. I would say to all of us in here, this community of faith has been that to us. And there will be times where you just have to grab someone's hand and take a leap of faith. And maybe even in moments when you feel like that you're alone, like Indiana Jones, we may just have to take that leap of faith But as people of faith in Jesus Christ, we know that we are leaping into the arms of a loving God who is there to guide us on the path that we should go. So to our graduates and to all of us, bury fear today because fear is linked to the desire to hide. I was afraid and I hid. Fear will make you shrink back rather than live out the grand future set before you. Fear will make you smaller than what God wants you to be. So bury it today and cast it out with love because love is stronger than fear. With the assurance that God loves you and wants what's best for you, take the leap of faith into the wide open world that God has for you. Let this be the day that fear is finished. Bury it and don't ever dig it up again so may it be so shall we pray loving God it's easy to fear even if we feel like we don't fear anything there comes a moment in our lives where fear can set in it can paralyze us and prevent us from being the people that you have called us to be 
Help us to overcome fear. Help us to trust you. To take the leap of faith into your arms knowing that you have a plan set out for us. To go from fearing life to having faith in you. And Lord, as we go from this place, we pray a blessing on our graduates. As they trust you no matter what it, where the journey leads them. We pray that you bless us on our journeys as well. Because, Lord, we want to hear from you. And that's why we are gathered. And we trust that you will give us the strength and courage to respond after we hear your voice, no matter how it comes. Loving God, this is our prayer for ourselves, and this is our prayer for our graduates on this day. And it's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we ask all these things. Amen.